What tabletop RPGer doesn't love dice? I do, and I'm sure you do too. So if you are looking to begin a dice collection, or let's be honest, add to yours, check out Dice Envy. Go through the link in our show notes, and you will be able to find many, many sets of beautiful dice of all different kinds and sizes. When you use the link in our show notes to go to the Dice Envy site, not only will you be able to shop their entire collection and catalog of various dice sets, but you will also help support this show because a small portion comes our way, which we will then immediately roll back into making this show better for you. So check them out, diceenvy.com, or better still, go to them through the link in our show notes. Hey stackers, do you feel like your games are bland and lacking in atmosphere? Well, fear not, because if you go to BattleBards.com, you can access a whole host of sound effects and background music that can really spice up your games. BattleBards.com offers a Prime subscription, and if you use our stack code, S-T-A-C-K, you can get a 20% discount on this subscription. If you are a Prime member, you have access to a soundboard and editing tools, and the ability to stream sounds. This can be useful for adding like a dragon's roar to a final boss encounter or maybe some ambient tavern music for when your players are at the local inn taking a rest. Check it out at BattleBards.com. Follow a band of intrepid friends as they seek to understand the world changing around them and as they work together to face a growing evil. Enter a world of adventure and mystery in Bardalon. Previously on Stack of Dice. There are several scaly green creatures rushing toward you and Farron. A couple across the river are closing in on the bridge to prevent you from trying to make a break from it that way. Stop! Who are you? They hiss at you. There are five on this side of the bridge and three coming across the bridge. The last one on the bridge gives a piercing shriek. It starts out as a trill and then just goes off into some high out of out of your range of hearing sound. Oh no, he's calling reinforcements. And then there's a rumbling sound and trees begin swaying as something huge behind you begins making its way through the trees. So not across the bridge, but behind a... Correct, well, from the way that you've just come okay. from. Okay. From behind... The last of the trees rip apart, and a gigantic, lizard-like creature comes bursting through. Two legs, but towering above the trees, is a giant T-Rex. <gasps> Riding on his back is another lizard folk who has stripes of white painted on his face and his arms, and he carries a staff that has bits of bone and rope hanging from it. And it's shouting something, and a couple more lizard folk come from behind. I flap up, and I'm just, I'm angry at this point, and so I just, I, I let out a roar, and I spend seven side points, and next thing you know, just, I mean, you could see, like, just limb, blah, 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 and, ah, and I just, and I, my, my wings disappear, so I immediately just start to fall, and I put my, my feet together, and I just want to come right down on top of this thing. The shaman 
is not liking the way this is going. You're putting up much more of a fight than apparently it expected. From the ground, white fog begins to, to billow up. And underneath you, Bash, you can feel the T-Rex starting to try and throw you off. There's one last shriek of pain from the dinosaur as it disappears back into the foliage. The shaman follows right behind it. In seconds, the fog begins to dissipate. The only signs that there was ever a battle here is uh, smears of green blood, Roland and Cuthbert on the ground. But you find yourself surrounded by a group of small, wiry folk that look not unlike you, Tira. One of them points at you as a group and whistles something and then cocks his head almost bird-like. Hello stackers and welcome back to another episode of Stack of Dice. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at stackodice or by email at stack.o.dice at gmail.com. If you've not yet reached out to us or left us a review, we'd love for you to do that. Take some time today to do that. It's easy to do on iTunes if you just leave us a five-star rating and tell us what you think about the show. We sure would love to hear from you in that way. Or if you just have comments about things we've been up to, your favorite moments, whatever the case may be, be sure to leave that for us through any of those means that I mentioned. We always want to thank you for joining us around the table as we continue our ongoing 5th edition D&D adventure. I'm Rhett, the DM, and with me is... Meredith as Tira Ironstag. Michael as Womberbash Benson Mum. And Catherine as Farron. Who's ready to tell a story? Me. me. Good. The fog has cleared. There are still wisps of it hanging in the air. And as these little figures emerge and become visible to you, you're left with a number of things that you could possibly do. Uh, why don't we start with Michael? What are you going to do? I'm going to turn to take a look at uh, Tira and... Um... Farron and the other two guys and just make sure that they're okay. Mm -hmm. I think inherently I realized it seems as though these individuals are not threatening like the other lizard people were. So I'm just going to turn to look real quick and what 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 state are they in at this point? They uh, are my team members like as far as uh, health and, and, and injury. Farron appears to be a little knocked about. Uh, she did catch a club in the head so she's already starting to bruise on the side of her head. And various cuts and scrapes. Tira has some tooth holes in her. (laughs) 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 So she's got blood trickling down in places through her clothing. So you can see that reddish tinge to her clothes. Roland and Cuthbert are on the ground and not moving. Oof. Okay, I'm going to go over to them and um, softly turn them over onto their backs and just try to assess, are they alive? Okay. As you first move, the little people, the little jungle people murmur amongst themselves. Some of them jump back. And the murmuring, again, takes the form of low whistles, uh, maybe some more animal-like sounds, but they don't seem to be reacting negatively. They, they give you room, and they're just more content to watch. A few of them you can see burying their teeth through their beards. Uh, their teeth show very white against the dark stripes on their bodies. Baring their teeth as in a leer or a smile, just kind of... Just kind of gritting their teeth. Okay. Farron runs over to Cuthbert. Okay, so I'll, I'll say that you've gone to Roland. Yes. Okay. And Cuthbert, Farron, you're leaning over him. They both seem to be breathing rather shallowly. Mm. So they are still alive, but Cuthbert's arm is at a strange angle. 
uh, he slammed into the tree that forms this side of the bridge over the, the rushing water gorge. Roland seems to be in better condition, but he is still very badly hurt and not conscious. Neither of them are conscious. We had donkeys. Are they around? They have bolted. They have mm. long since disappeared. Uh, I think at the first sign of, I didn't mention this, but at the first sign of lizard folk, uh, the, the sniff of them really, they took off down the trail back the way you came from. Hopefully, getting past the T-Rex. <laughs> I wonder if it's worth trying to get them because carrying these two is going to be difficult. Tira, seeing, is at first sort of captivated by the sight of these people. You said they look similar to me as far as size and build, I'm assuming. Uh, they were more wiry than you are. You're very stocky yeah. in my imagination. Okay. And I, I think yours too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, they, they're about the same height, but they have shorter beards than you're used to. Seeing on, on men in your... I'm sorry, I thought you they have shorter beards than you. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was not imagining Tara with a beard, but that's a new one. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And then uh, they, they're, they're skinnier, more lithe looking. Proportions, though? Proportions I mean, are, are like, about... They're yeah. like dwarves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and facial features. Mm -hmm. All right, so she's briefly captivated by the sight of these people, but just the motion of... Farron and Bash draws her attention over there. And when she sees Roland on the ground, uh, just going to sort of gasp, Roland. And she's going to dive over there to him and take his face between her hands. His face is gray beneath your hands. And like I said, he's breathing very shallowly, but he seems to be stable. He may have had the wind knocked out of him. Okay. Wamrabesh is going to go over to the side of the foliage or the, the tree area, and he's going to pick up what he thinks to be pretty good um, short tree stock or whatever. And I'm going to, uh, Farron, can you split these with your axe? I think his his arm looks broken. Cuthbert's arm looks broken. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to be fashioning a, a splint for uh, Cuthbert's arm and. Uh, you said Roland doesn't need a... No, Roland, Roland looks, doesn't look like he has any broken bones. Okay. You pull out your axe and start to head for a tree. Is that... No, he brought her he, some... I brought already some, brought some things the... she could split to Where, where did you get those from? Off to the side of the tree line area. Did you take them off of a tree? Or no, they, they... they were just like on the ground. Okay. All right. So you pick up some of the... Short branches. Natural... Like, yeah, yeah, fallen yeah, twigs fallen. and things. Okay. As you pull out your axe, there's a gasp... And the people draw away from you, Farron. Uh, some of them put their hands to little weapons at their sides. All right, so I stop mid-pull-out, mid really, and I just put my arm out. I, I put down the axe, and I just show them my bare hands, like, it's okay. Try to let them know it's okay, it's okay. And I'm just, I'm just going to help him. One of them, the same one, whistles what sounds like the same thing. And then again, cocks his head at you. This is going to be awesome because Catherine can't whistle. <laughs> <laughs> so she's not going to be able to keep Yeah, me. it's a shame like, Thane's not here because he can't either. <laughs> yeah, no, he really can't. <laughs> Why do you say I can't whistle? Go ahead. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. It's everything else you can't do. Oh, you can't wink. I can't wink. You can't I'm wink. working on it, though. <laughs> you should have had a... She's like... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Can I add page. that I think that I can still fashion the splint with the the thinner 
uh, branches that Womber Bash provided. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to tie them together. My thing about these people are dumb. Like, I, we're not attacking them. I mean, I don't care. Just go ahead and split it up. I have a feeling that if these are the people who just live in the forest, they might be a little wary of us attacking the trees, basically. Like, you're going to cut up those sticks. I think that's why he was asking, did you pull it off a tree? Because I think they would have taken real exception to that. Like, pulling a branch off a tree, they probably would have been like, <gasps> Um, I'm going to continue to fashion the splint without using the hand axe. There's some supple vine also around that you can use to complete the splint. Uh, Before you do that, why don't you give me a quick performance check? Yes. Uh, 18 plus. Okay, you're fine. They seem to understand the gist of your words, or at least your intent through your actions. And so they, the hands relax and you're able to go ahead and start binding Catherine, if you can go ahead and give me a medicine check also. This one's going to be a little bit higher. Uh, that would be 14. Okay, that's fine. You do some binding, maybe, maybe loosen it up again and, and reset and that kind of thing. And eventually you have something that looks serviceable. Uh, by now, color seems to be returning to both of their faces. And before anything else really happens... Two of these little people come and gently pick up uh, Roland, and another two come and gently pick up Cuthbert, and they begin dog-trotting back into the jungle. All right, Tira, I've got to stop starting all my sentences with all right. Tira is a little jarred by them scooping him out from under her, because she doesn't know these people at all. The whistler gives you a quick smile and then turns and trots after them. I follow. I almost said all right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, er, <laughs> all right, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, um, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, so is my word. You're right. I will, I'll make sure not to do that. I imagine as he lifted Roland up, Tira kind of raised up on her knees. And then when he smiles at her, she's going to sort of sink back down and watch him for a second before getting to her feet and following She's very intrigued. Mm -hmm. Her suspicions are sort of walking themselves back with everything she sees them doing. Okay. Going in the direction from where we came or because in order to go forward, we have to cross that that bridge. Yeah. They actually, they melt northwards into the jungle. So not across the bridge. Not across the bridge. Okay. But more forward into the forest than where we made. So you came from the west. So they're going. You're, You're heading east. To the left. They're going, they're going up. Yeah. <laughs> North. <laughs> North mean up. <laughs> Obviously, I, I'm just going to look around, make sure I haven't dropped anything, whatever. I've got my gear and, and, and I, you know, Roland and Cuthbert didn't drop something, whatever. I'm going to pick yeah, it up great. and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just follow on in. All is in order. Uh, Farron? I've already started to follow them. Okay, great. At first, it's impossible to pick out any path that's discernible. The bodies in front of you seem to merge with the nature around them. Every now and then you'll see an elbow or a f- the bottom of a foot or something that's, that keeps you going. But the, the bushes that they push through all bend and then snap back into place almost immediately. Eventually, though, it does tend to widen out and they slow down the pace now that they seem to be withdrawing. And in fact, they pass by one last little stick in the ground that has a couple of bones tied to it and some feathers hanging off of it. 
And then they seem to lose a, a sense of weariness about them. And they begin to converse again in uh, some sort of whistling language underneath everything. Uh, but they, the, the feeling of tension and of wariness really melts away. And then at a more gentle place in the river that's been pacing you out of sight to the right, you see another of these tree bridges. Mm. And this one has a couple of strings of red feathers with yellow bars on them hanging down. And they make their way across the bridge. You can see that the pairs carrying Roland and Cuthbert are already across. But again, the same kind of architecture to the bridge. The trees have actually been sculpted, still living, into trees that actually make a bridge across. What's with the red feather thing? And the it was on the we map. Saw it in the map, on the mosaic map. Ah, that's right. This has to be where it was leading to. But who are these people and how are we ever going to find out anything about them? I don't speak this language. Let's just keep following them in. I'm sure they have a camp and we can figure things out then. I'm getting hungry too. The whistler drops back and walks between the three of you. Actually throws his arm around your shoulder, Tara, and he whistles something. And then with a big grin, you step into a small clearing probably no more than 10 feet across. Which is why you didn't see it in your soaring up in the air, Womberbash. The canopy is less thick here, and so it does allow some light to stream in. It takes a moment for your eyes to adjust to the sudden inpouring of strong light, but once you do, you're immediately taken back. Bash, you are the first to see that the grass in the clearing has been meticulously trimmed providing a soft carpet of living undergrowth. Not a twig, not a leaf mars its uniform surface, and the vibrant green is a vivid contrast to the softer colors of the waxy leaves on the trees and bushes that crowd in from the edges. The exact middle of the clearing is occupied by a giant flower rising from a thick and twisting stem. The weight of the feet-tall orange blossom must be significant because it bends downward, and from its center a large drop of nectar about the size of Tira's head is just visible. A broad leaf attached to the stem lies cupped beneath it and more nectar has dripped into its wide, smooth surface. And I'd like for you to add some details about a scent and a feeling that you have. What time of year is this, by the way? Just out of curiosity. Spring-ish. Okay, nice. Okay. Um... Just like it's been the whole time? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking I'm seeing a lot of pollen f- flowing in the air. Uh, is it being it's spring. And so like as the light comes through, like you said, the opening there, you see what what is dust, but really, really it's more of like a, a pollen that you can see uh, floating in, in, in the air. And um, it has a very interesting um, smell. It's, it's sweet, but, but it's not too sweet. It's more of like a, um, you know, the smell you, you smell in fall with the leaves mm-hmm. and when they start to decompose yep. that, that folly type smell, it's sort of like that, but not as strong. Um, but then at the same time, you know, with, with seeing with the, it's, it's almost mystical and magical. And on top of the actual like dust particles or whatever, there's like these, um, seeds with like furry hairs off of it. That's like just sort of floating. Okay. Um, it, it really is, it really is. Um, magical, essentially, to 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 be be here, and I I just I just got done sh- becoming a giant and shrinking back down, so the wraps on my feet have fallen off, so I'm completely barefoot. But um, with all the callus and everything, I can still feel the 
uh, softness of the of the um, grass area there, uh, which is nice. It reminds me of being home a little bit. Okay. And so I am just soaking in and taking in all of this, all of this situation. Um, maybe a little situation. tear. Yeah, maybe like, wipe a little tear away. <laughs> Sniff. Farron, your eyes are drawn upward to the upper bounds of the trees. Large, clear crystals with facets have been fastened to the tops of the trees, and as the sunlight beats down from above, the light seems to focus into them, and they send fractured beams of light into all the upper reaches of the clearing to shine into little mirrors that direct the light to provide a warm glow just under the reaching leaves of the jungle. There's a cozy glow that brings a much-needed light into the darker reaches of the immediate vicinity, and you can see probably an additional 50 feet into what would otherwise be tight trees and snaring vines. I would like you to add a sensation that you're feeling. I'm feeling a sense of awe because for Farian, everything she's been seeing since she left uh, the Watani has been so new and so different to what she's experienced her whole life. She's familiar with wooded areas, and she's been around that, but she's never seen anything like this forest. And just recognizing that they've used the crystals to their advantage in this way is, I mean, she just thinks it's brilliant that they were able to do that and still, you know, maintain the secrecy of Mm -hmm. where they live in the forest and still bring in the light that they need to go about their their daily routine. So she's very uh, impressed with what they've been able to accomplish in the area. And Tira, your trained eye is quick to notice myriad handy touches that take your breath away. On platforms encircling the clearing, there are houses built around the trees, but not like you might think of tree houses in our world. Instead, the trees have been guided by expert hands, shaped into overarching roofs, boughs coaxed into staircases, and living vines woven into green handrails of exceptional strength. Here and there, larger halls have been formed with green palm fronds and living boughs, while around the circumference of the clearing, water troughs made from concave boughs channel water that, as one person lifts a gourd, drips sparklingly clear water onto the ground below. And why don't you add your impression? It's okay just to say, wow. <laughs> That's it. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. (laughs) She's not sure what to think. She feels an an inexplicable kinship with these people, but their methods and their their living arrangement is quite different than what she grew up with. She's thinking, if these are some kind of dwarves, it's a completely different... Uh, family. I'm not seeing any stone, correct? It's all wood and, mm-hmm. and the vines. Yeah. So an odd sense of kinship, but also who are these people? And how can we be so similar and yet so different? And underneath that, clearly the same sort of layer of awe that Farron described, but it's sort of secondary to her questions about who these people are and how they might be connected to me yeah, or my people in general. As you're taking in the sight and the sensations, 
Along the rails, more of the wiry, loam-striped little people have come to lean and look in wonder at the newcomers. The five of you. As you stand with your necks cricked, first one and then another begin to whistle, their calls starting low and then swooping like brightly plumed birds to settle on your ears. Others hoot like monkeys or bellow like some of the larger jungle animals that have kept out of sight during your time here. Woven through all of this hidden village are little tufts of red feathers with yellow bars. They seem to mark the boundaries and other special places of interest. And then Whistler... Brings his mother. (laughs) (laughs) I came up with that, you know, I just, that's a spur of the moment name. Uh, He goes over to the plant. He scoops his hand into the leaf full of nectar and holds it up. It glistens in the sunlight and he offers it to you. Tira's going to step forward. She's going to look Whistler in the eyes and then pointedly look down to the nectar and then pointedly look over to Roland. And then back to Whistler. He gives a low whistle, and he, uh, he holds it up closer to your mouth. Knowing that he probably won't understand what I'm saying, but without any other ideas as to how to communicate, is this for me? And she's going to put her hand on her chest. You want me to take this? So she's going to cup her hands. He holds it up to your mouth. Oh, okay. So then she's going to look him straight in the eye. He tilts his hand and some of the nectar slips into your mouth. It's sweet. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I was like, (laughs) I had more to that sentence, but that's all right. (laughs) You're like, oh, oh, I wasn't ready. Okay, it's all over my face. (laughs) It's sweet. And it glides down your throat. It leaves a little hint of burning, kind of like eating honey, how you have a little bit of the burn in your throat. And he whistles. And as he whistles, it ends up with words. And now, as you hear people around you whistling, you see that their, their lips are pursed. But now instead of hearing the tones of music, you're hearing actual words in your ears. It's babble nectar. I see Universal Translator. That's right. That's right. As she's swallowing it, is when, you know, so then she can suddenly understand them and hear them. She's going to kind of not choke on it, but it just startles her as it's going down that suddenly all these whistling and musical sounds turn to language that she can understand. I understand you. She's whistling to you. I look at Bash with like, what in the world's yeah. happening? I'm going to look back at Farron. I can understand them. Uh, all you hear is whistling. I put my arms up like, I have no idea what you're trying to say to me. I look from her to Bash. Whistler what? laughs to your ears. To you, it's just a cacophony of whistling that sounds... Does she still understand us? Yeah. Hmm. So, so ba- I- Bash steps forward and uh, motions to his mouth. Whistler holds up the nectar and you swallow it and the same thing happens to you you have oh, you good. actually have an itching sensation in your ears uh, bash <laughs> looks at at, at farron and it's like <laughs> i realize kind of what's happening so i i motion to whistler so that he'll give me some of that nectar okay, as yep. well and you take it and it's Pretty much the same sensation and everything and the same effect. 
<laughs> that would be, that'd be incredible. <laughs> You're the only one who's talking. Everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get some R2D2 sound. <laughs> yes. You can now completely understand what everyone is saying. Whistler bows and he smiles, holds his arms out to the clearing around him, and he turns around. Welcome to our village. We have watched you since you entered the jungle. And we saw that you posed no threat. That you fought against our ancestral enemies. We hope that you come bearing no ill will. I trust you. You have a feeling about you, and you bear the marks of the gods blessed. You, he points to you, Omberbash. The stone on your wrist. And you never put your stone back in orbit around yourself, did you, Farron? No, I did not. So actually, while that's happening, while the stone is stowed, you don't get the plus one to your armor class. So your armor class should actually be one lower than it actually is on paper. And you might have needed that during the battle. (laughs) Well, she still had it during the battle because I forgot to mention that. It's not on you, though, is it? (laughs) Yes, it is. I want to do something that I think would be dope for later use. So you could cut this out, but I would like to get some type of a vessel and collect honey created from this nectar. And I'm thinking maybe at some point in time, because a honey won't, honey won't go bad versus nectar will. So, and I'm potentially, if it has the same effect or maybe slightly in the future, if we have to communicate with each other without anybody else hearing, we could all take a sip of that honey and we'd be able to communicate without anybody else understanding. Yeah, that's a good idea. So you don't have anything to put it in right now? I, I'm going to ask them for some type of vessel and see if I can collect, you know, just a small one. That way later on we can all take a sip of it and we all be like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and nobody else will be able to understand us. We might be able to use it. You know yeah, what I mean? that's true. We'll be like. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it so like op? I don't know. <laughs> Steal second base. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why are we here again? We're going to the um to well, the volcano. Mountain, we're looking right? for the hidden folk. Yeah. And now we seem to have found them because there's red and yellow feathers everywhere and they were certainly hidden. But there's other things we know. We know that the people in the city are essentially oppressed essentially mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. the the Don. He's not originally from the area. They they know about the hidden folk, but uh, there's got to right. be some but correlation. Like, but they're like but a legend. They're not even sure if right. they're real people. Right. But it was it had to do with the crystals. It had to do with the stones. And we're hoping, I guess, that they're going to either lead us to the pillar or that they know where it is kind of thing. While you're deliberating, the smells of cooking food reach you. Please tell me they're not vegetarian. There's a very savory smell in the air. Yes. Several children come down bearing bowls of a rich brown broth with floating chunks in it. I'll have some. It does appear to be only vegetables, but it's that mushroom that you sampled. Mm. And so it, it tastes like steak. It comes off tasting like cooked steak. <laughs> I'm game. Catherine, because you didn't have a chance before, there's one other dish that they bring. Why don't you describe what that dish is? It's potatoes thinly sliced and fried in an oil. No, it's like a mashed root vegetable, and it seems to be fluffier. Maybe it was mixed with some kind of flour, or maybe they pounded it down into a flour first and then added water, kind of reconstituted it. It's served alongside 
the soup, the broth. So I think we're supposed to kind of plop it in there. Maybe like it would be like a dumpling or something. Okay, great. Mm. I'm game. You got gnocchi and soup. Yeah, yeah that sounds good. I was going to say fufu. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then uh, there's also a flat bread that they have made to accompany it. Non. It, it's delicious. And as you sit cross-legged in this clearing, other people have come to sit around you and, and gather. Roland and Cuthbert are now awake, and they seem to be healthy enough to, to eat some. Uh, somebody's tilting the bowl for Cuthbert, uh, and they're talking quietly amongst themselves, the two brothers, uh, but taking everything in with equally wide eyes. And then Whistler says... I can only assume that you are being drawn by the Great Stone. Is that what has brought you here? All right. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so um, Roland and... Is it Roland? Yes, yes. Roland. Roland. Wait, what is Don't. his name now? It's Cuthbert. Roland. Roland. Cuthbert. Cuthbert. And Roland both have been given the nectar, right? Uh, they they have eventually. They have okay. Like okay. because they're tending, I yeah. get the sense that they're being tended to. Because yeah. otherwise, we were we were just be like, hey, give me some nectar, and they're like we're just ignoring. We're, and yeah. we're eating now. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I just wanted to clarify that. Thank mm-hmm. you. All right. Um. <laughs> All right. Yes, that that is actually exactly what we're here for. We've heard. And seen indications that you can help us. You are not far from where the Great Stone lies in the heart of the mountain. It's in the volcano. (laughs) It is a place sacred to us, and yet we are forced to maintain a distance. We used to be a larger people, but those who chose to remain close to the stone were twisted into the people that you fought. So they were your kin? Long ago, yes. Jealous of our retaining our former selves, they burn with hatred toward us. And so they have been our mortal enemies for many long seasons. Did this twisting of the Great Stone affect their physical form as well? Did they always look like that? They were as we were. Tears very confused. By this is a little bit more power of the stone than that. Um, this is a new this is a new development in that we hadn't seen it like l- literally physically transform people before. I don't think have we? I, I transform. No, I mean like it just essentially changed. They they were they're permanently this way. I mean, you transform and you like go back and forth and stuff. These people used to look like me, and now they're lizards. Yeah, that's pretty extreme, but we did see how some folks were deformed, oh, yeah, like those yeah, crow, people, yeah, crow the, people that attacked us. That oh, caused yeah. your ship to crash? Yeah. Oh, so but it wasn't but, like, oh, it looks that. like a lizard. Yeah, so you, your characters don't know. Yeah, I just assumed that they were crazy creatures, yeah. <laughs> don't know if, don't know that they were... Except see, our characters... Neither I nor Tira made that connection. But I thought our characters did know that these were the people who were using the magic. And so I drew the line between that term and the stones when Roland was explaining 
you know, the the people that they were yeah, fighting. Because the bird people that you fought were wearing lots and lots of crystals. To make that link um, that the crystals caused the deformity, that, yeah, may be, I was, that may be a bit much. Tira and I were both assuming that these were just, that's who these people were, and they were just using the stones to be evil. Not mm. that it had, trans, that that is what caused them to even look yeah. the way they did. Mm. Now I'm like, wow, how often have we come across people who used to be regular, normal, recognizable races from the world of Vardalon that have been physically twisted by these stones? She's starting to get a much... Her, her mind is, is kind of subtly blown here that she's starting to realize this is way bigger even than I had previously thought. Like even Thump's people. Yeah, they I, might have been I, I remember something when, totally when, else. When Thump died, he turned into a crystal. Yes. So maybe maybe he they were more like humans, and also they were changed by the crystal. Yeah, see, she's a, a lot of these things are kind of rapidly tumbling through her mind without without her really even taking time to grasp on and 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 uh, explore them. It's just like all this realization kind of tumbling, and she's just kind of just sort of shaking her head. It's like she had an aneurysm. So are you trying to see a flashback or images of all these Mm -hmm. other weird type of people you come across during these last two weeks? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, now you're getting the hang of it. She's getting it. it. Um, Yeah, again, too rapidly for her to really stop and and, and analyze. But yeah, she's kind of this this flurry, this uh, slideshow of previous memories is kind of coming back and she's thinking, oh my goodness, what what else have I not noticed? Uh, and what else have I not realized until now? But also that you haven't changed at all. Yeah. Like your stone, I guess, is what gave her the ability to have her mom come back, yes. right? That's right. Yes. Okay. When we used to commune with the Great Stone, before it was twisted. We would use pieces of it for great inventions. Like this. And he waves his hand and two uh, of his people draw back some vines that are hanging down and you see this stone figure. Its head is drooped down and it looks like, like a robot like you would expect. It's standing there. There's a cavity in the chest and it looks like the head is actually down further, and so it looks like somebody could actually sit inside of this thing. Like controlling yeah, it? Yeah, right. It's a mech. Exactly. Mm. Uh, First of all... But is it sim- made out of um, stone. metal? Stone. stone. No, you said it was stone. Okay. A Simmeries is a short person, mm-hmm. and he makes inventions. Is a Simmeries <gasps> like a descendant or, or like related to these folks? You know what I'm saying? Dude. Oh, he's smiling. Well, he's, he doesn't want to tell us stuff. I, I was thinking about that too, but I want to ask them how long it took mm. for their kinfolk to transform into the shape of another being. It happened gradually until the twisting, and then it was overnight. We woke up and found a monstrous people among us. Terrified, we struck, and terrified, they struck, and before we knew it, we had to withdraw from each other, and ever since then, we have been at war with one another. And they're by the stone, because they chose to be with the stone, so when we go to the stone, we're going to have to fight them again. Great. When you say twisting of the stone, do you mean using it for an ill purpose? You keep saying the twisting. Was this a singular event? We do not know much. We have come to apply this term over time 
because it's the only way we can understand it. But you said that your kin were sort of gradually changing until the twisting, and then it was overnight. So that sounds like there was one catastrophic event that tipped them over. So much of this is passed down in story, and we do not fully understand it. What we do know is that every now and then we do get feelings of great good coming from the direction of the volcano. And then recently there have been, when we would have expected these pulses, they seem to be hindered or blocked in some way. It it feels as though the stone is failing, and we fear that some great evil has settled there. We do not know. We are too afraid to go. Can you take us there? Or at least... Show us the way. At that, murmurs in the crowd around you show obvious distress at the notion of going. Whistler says, I can take you close, but there they cut wood. We cannot countenance that. Something dark is there, and it has cut off our great god from us. The earth shakes as darkness battles light. If you would be able to find what is happening... We would be grateful. We need to rest, though. Definitely. Yes, we're not going to go right now, but we are actually, the three of us, we are on a quest specifically to find places like your volcano with great stones. You truly are chosen of the gods. I'm sorry? What? It is wonderful to meet you. I am glad we brought you here. Have you heard? heard about us before now? I think now would be a good time to rest. Oh boy. (laughs) We have a journey ahead of us if I am to take you close. Will you stay with us? Yes, of course. Is um, Roland and Cuthbert gonna um, stay here while we go? They show no inclination to want to go with you. (laughs) (laughs) I, I I will speak with them before we leave, but I think it wise for them to stay and rest. Uh, yeah, you're led upstairs to find a place to rest. You go up the staircase, and again, it's actual living branches that are strong enough to support your weight. You make your way up to a platform. You find yourself on an open platform. There's no walls to it, but there is, again, the roof that's made out of living palm boughs. And a breeze blows through. It feels deliciously cool up here, away from some of the worst of the humidity on the jungle floor. Uh, there are little bowls of fresh fruit and other things here, ready for your convenience. The water's trickling in the trough outside. I'm actually not going to go. I'm going to stay here. And eat more? And eat more and just relax. Okay. Because this is a nice... No, I don't see why you, how, why anybody would want to leave this place, to be honest with you. Yeah. You mean you didn't, you didn't go up the stairs with us? I'm joking that Womberbash is not going to go. He's just going to stay uh, here and chill. Forever. And yeah. Vac- yeah, he means he's not going to come with us to the oh. dark stone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so you settle down and you get the effects of a long rest. Yay! Hit points, side points. I wanted to add that Farron seems to be a bit more at ease with her stone here in this area because they're openly showing that they have this robot-like creature, mm-hmm. this golem creature with the stone. She also pulls out her stone from the place, place which will not be named. <laughs> <laughs> and... Let's uh, you know, let the stone release, and it's you know above her head now. It's and- a fanny pack. 
with a Mickey Mouse. She's on just it. letting the the light and the glow of her stone kind of. She's just really thinking about everything that's happened and about mm-hmm. these stones because she's actually a little concerned. Actually, not even a little, a lot concerned about what she's hearing about their kinfolk switching, like using mm-hmm. the stones and then switching and becoming like these creatures and, you know, up to no good kind of thing. And so she's concerned about that maybe happening to them at some point. Okay. And she's also going to work on her studs. Okay. So you'll... Uh, we'll just make it. No, we'll okay. we'll do another. What did we do last time? Was like it twenty some? Twenty five? Yeah. Uh, we'll make it fifty. It's it's a more restful situation, so you can make it fifty. Yeah, I would imagine like twenty twenty five would be like this upper shoulder area. Yeah. And she so- needs. She's going for a total of three hundred to get the full effect oh, of studded okay, leather. Okay, that's right. And so oh, fifty spread quite a bit. Yeah, but with the rest, with the full stomach, with a comfortable place, yeah, you're able to concentrate more. The night passes. Day jungle sounds give way to night jungle sounds, and you awaken in the morning feeling completely refreshed. The water is cool outside. Uh, People are already moving by the time you get up, and there is Whistler standing. uh, He's got a spear, but he's standing with one leg bent and placed his foot placed against his opposite knee, and he just looks very comfortable standing there. Looks like he's touched up his body paint, and so he is all ready to go. He offers you, he points to the nectar. I was just going to ask, do we need to take that again? About how long does it last? Based on your experience, about 12 hours okay. so far. I'm going to take the mouthful that I need to talk to him right now and then ask him, can I fill a water skin with this? Absolutely. Okay. So she's going to fill it up. I'm going to obviously drink some as well so I can communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you have any, do you have any honey made from this nectar? Uh, honey? You know, the, the bees make honey from nectar? Bees? <laughs> he seems confused. Wow. Blast. You know what? He made that up just now so that we couldn't take it with us and use it later. Yeah. <laughs> how, how thick is the nectar? Um, I guess it would be about like drinking caro syrup. Okay. Like corn syrup. It's a little bit more viscous than water, but it's not like as not thick as, as honey. Yeah. It's enough for it to, to hang, you know, like it was when you first arrived. It's got got a little thickness to it. It'd be yeah. I guess I guess caro syrup would be about right. I'm not gonna fill my my water skin with it because I'm thinking we have to have water. I don't know that it would be as it's not thirst quenching. No, as necessary as water. So, so I'm gonna leave uh, Tira to carry that. For I would us. have enough for each of us to yeah. refill so we can continue to because I'm thinking it's going to take us longer than 12 hours to get to where we're going and we still have to, you know, talk to him on the way and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But I do fill mine with water. Okay. Mm-hmm. With that, Roland and Cuthbert are there and they they give their condolences, but they have no desire to go with you into imminent danger. Mm-hmm. Are we coming back to I the really, village afterward? I, I mean, really like I don't know. Bash, you know how this works. If this is one of the crystal t- pillars, there's no telling what's going to happen after we do what we must there. We may be driven on. We may be able to come back. I just don't know. I can't promise we're going to come back here. Roland puts his hand on your arm, Tira. If you're not back in two days, then we will just go on without you. We'll find a way out of here and what are you make gonna, our way back. What are you going to tell Tara's dad? I'll think of something. 
I have seen lots of ill come from these stones, but I have also seen what your good hearts can do with them. And now I'm going to have to report to him that it's all in the heart of the person. Be careful, Roland. Of course. You've seen how he has been changed by these things. He may throw you in prison after saying something like that. So be it. Can I get that short sword back, man? (laughs) (laughs) You never used it. (laughs) Be rude. Um, (laughs) Bash. (laughs) Bash. I'm so glad to have seen you. And I wish you well. And you. I don't know what waits you there. May you know nothing but safety and success. And they're going to kind of... He gives you the Mason's handshake. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're going to do the clasping arms kind of Mm -hmm. arm shake. So like clasped arms and then other hand on shoulders. Okay. I do a a foot on right shoulder (laughs) and then back to face type of... Gotcha. Yeah. 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 It's like you've been doing it all your life. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Whistler is standing at the edge of the clearing, and when he sees that you have said your goodbyes, he begins the dog trot again, and you follow him. When you say dog trot, is he traveling on all fours? No, I mean just like a a comfortable gait. Okay, gotcha. I thought he was doing the fox trot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, he just lopes into the woods. Keeps an easy pace, and you get the impression that he could keep it up all day long. I can do this all day. (laughs) (laughs) And again, you find that the paths seem to melt out of the jungle. And as soon as, if if you look back, it looks like it never was. Something about their knowledge of this landscape is incredible. I wanted to ask Whistler, as we're going through the forest, what kind of bird the red feathers were from? That's a good question. Are large cardinals um, <laughs> native to this? Uh... <laughs> we call it the banded auk. Is it native only to this forest? We do not know. We've seen it somewhere else in the city. You have. Not the bird, but the feather. Interesting. I, I don't know what to tell you. But I would like to continue, so let's go. <laughs> well, we're doing, we're, this is a trail conversation. This is a hiking oh, conversation. Yeah, I see, I see, I see. We're, we're moving along. Well, you're speaking a little long, Tim. I'd like you to cut it short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems very interested by that, uh, that you would have seen it somewhere outside the confines of the jungle. There's something else I want to ask him, but I don't know if I should just no, say it. No, go ahead. It. Just be, be, be Farron. Go ahead. Are you familiar with the term hidden folk? No. I'm just asking because we were told of hidden folk that live in the forest. And at this, at this point, I assume that those that live in the city are referring to you. We would take it as a mark of honor. We do not try to hide, but if that's how they consider us, who are we? It sounds like an interesting world out there. You've never been to the city? Oh, never. This is our city. And then at last he draws up after several hours of this, uh, taking occasional breaks to let you drink some water and get a little bit of breath in you. But then you start to see some 
splintered tree trunks. And the jungle begins to thin out, and there's, there's this smell in the air of distant but noxious fumes. Hmm. Like, sulf- like I was sulfur? I say sulfuric. And he gestures to the trees around you. But over there is where I stop. And he points to the edge of the jungle. Mm-hmm. Suddenly there's daylight coming in that you're not used to. Again, your eyes tingle as you're trying to get adjusted to that the daylight show, shining in. There, out in the open area, you can see the rubbled slopes, the lower slopes of the volcano. The grayish-pinkish rock rises well beyond the canopy of the jungle. You see fragments of black glassy rock, jagged edges where former lava flows have pooled and cooled. Swaths of trees to your left and right have been scorched and burned, and now the area is deathly silent. And as you step out into that sunlit area, you do see sulfurous pits, yellow chalky substance, and that smell of egg in the air. The only thing that seems to be moving is a fitful breeze. And there again, standing at the edge of the trees, but not taking one step further, is Whistler. And he leans on his spear and says, may you travel safely. Will, will we run into your kin? You said they were stayed close to the stone. They did, but I, they may have moved on. I don't know. The group that you fought is from further west. Tira is going to pull out Peter's cloak of protection and put it on right now. Thank you for your hospitality and the care that you've shown our friends. Is there anything that you would want us to do for you in this area since I know that you don't travel this way? Free the stone. We will do everything we can. We will do our best. A single black bird circles in the air above as Whistler turns and disappears back into the jungle. And as we rise to meet it, the raven feels the wind rush over its primary feathers. Its curved beak opens in the air as it takes one last lungful of cleanness, and then it dives into a cleft of the mountain's rock where the fumes are stronger. It makes its way through darkened tunnels, hearing a voice singing distantly but quietly in the dark of a steaming cavern. The sounds rise and fall in awkward tones, but the prolonged terminals make it feel as though the singer relishes the dying sounds that strangle in the ash and crumble below the earth. As the raven emerges at last into a vast central chamber where the heat is at its most intense, and constant streams of noxious fumes rise in yellow-tinted clouds, a dark figure turns suddenly at the flapping of wings. The panting bird settles on the figure's shoulder. What news do you bring? My friend. And that's where we're going to end no. this episode. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yep. No. It's the dude. It's the dude. All right. Big <gasps> stuff. Why big stuff. Why spy on us like that? <gasps> Why don't you each take three experience points for role playing and for the details that you added? Thank you for that. I hope you enjoyed that. I, I had fun thinking of the village and what kinds of things would be involved with it. 
Uh, let's hear it for the Norse battle. Oh, my word. I liked, what, even though it didn't work out, I liked his idea about trying to gather the honey so that mm. we could have it for who, however long we needed it so that we could kind of use it as a secret code language as needed. I love the idea. So if you want to nominate him for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that was... Either he should get inspiration because that oh, was yeah, an inspiring idea. Okay, then just yeah. Why don't you take another in. two? Yes. <laughs> and now you're only four away, right? Yeah. yeah. How did you know? Oh, I I edit the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I am the DM. <laughs> um, I should have made better know, but I know Farron asked a lot of good questions and really. Well, first of all, just that she even made the connection about the, she's like, you've seen these people. <laughs> I mean, you've yeah. seen people before. I'm like, dude, you've been playing for like two months and yeah. you made more connections to okay. previous events than I did. So why don't you take two for the connection and three for the questions that you've asked. Yes. Um, wow. So I think that was well done. Yeah, it's very helpful to the party. See, fresh eyes and ears are a big deal. Because you're coming at the sea. Because as you said that, then the way I was justifying it in my own mind that Tira would not have made that connection was that she was too close to it. Hmm. Like, particularly when we were fleeing from the Delve and mm-hmm. we got attacked. See, she was too close to it. It was like, that was her home. And she, it, it would be impossible for her to imagine that these crazy creatures they're being attacked by were possibly her old kin. Mm. You know, just that wouldn't even occur to her. She was too close to the situation. And having a stone herself and having only seen it do good to her, now it's distressing to think, if I have this thing long enough, am I going to so turn you, into a lizard person? You know you what I'm saying? You have a biased opinion about yes, stones. Yes, for sure. Also consider what happens when you bring multiple stones together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, obviously big things are coming. Any other experience points to uh, nominate for? Now that you're starting to see some of the bigger picture, um, yeah, I think that's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's hear a recap. Tira is 69 points into level 10. All right. Womberbash is 96 points into level 10. Oh, so close. Farron is 57 points into level 10. Great. Yeah, excellent. How did he get so far ahead? Oh, my word. Rounding errors. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Stackers, we hope you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun dreaming up what kinds of things would be in a jungle village of people like this. Adding those fantastic touches always makes it fun to dream up new places. And of course, ending on a note that we did. Obviously, there's some excitement coming up. So stay tuned. And we look forward to seeing you here again with us next time at Stack of Dice. You are led up to a rest area. It is, again, it's one of these great halls. A rest area. (laughs) They have vending machines and everything. (laughs) And and nasty bathrooms? (laughs) (laughs) If you would be able to find what is happening, we would be grateful. Sorry. There's a tickle. <clears throat> I need to too. Yeah, I was like, actually everyone successfully uh, held back a burp, which is like big. Oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> There's our sound clip. <laughs> yeah, you went like, I just successfully held back a burp, which is big. Because <laughs> usually, I don't even see. I know. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs>